IPG Media Lab up here on Floor 9. I am your host, Scott Elchison, uh, and Adam, Simon, is back this week. Hello. I would say you're probably just a regular, my, my new co-host, you and Christina. <laughs> yeah. No Christina this time. No Christina uh, this time. Although I have some fashion questions for her. So. Okay. Well, <laughs> we can put them in the show notes and she can follow up with a, an email or something like that. Um, but then all the way from Seattle, we have a special guest this week. Uh, his name is Eric Turkington. Did I say that right? You did. Eric Turkington. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, and he is from a company called Rain, who specialize in building uh, voice applications and dealing with conversational interfaces. So uh, Eric, welcome to the show. And we thought it'd be a great guest for this episode. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be on the, on the, on the podcast. Um, so before we dive in, how about you just kind of give us a little bit of background on yourself and what you do and how you guys got into this world of, of voice? Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, I've been working with with voice technology now at, at Rain for um, just about a year and a half, actually. And, and Rain's been working on voice technology now for, I'll say, about five years, really, since the emergence of the Amazon Echo. Uh, as uh, one, you know, the first mainstream smart speaker, um, and so really, what we focus on at Rain is uh, helping companies um, design their their voice applications and build their voice applications, but also just through some of the trickier questions around voice strategy. Um, when does it make sense to actually invest um, in a voice application? What does voice search mean to you? Um, how can you make your brand more conversational in general? Uh, and, and in what ways can voice augment everything else you're doing in digital? Um, so really, Rain um, has actually been around for um, more than 10 years, but uh, we pivoted the company um, to really focus squarely on the on the voice and conversational AI space um, really uh, about four years ago, just as a function of uh, the volume of work that we were doing in that space and uh, really our belief that that was kind of a, a disruptive uh, interface that was going to change the way that technology worked. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, we've, we've had a chance to work with a couple dozen uh, Fortune 500 companies on their voice strategy and voice experiences. So everyone from Starbucks to Nike to, to even you know players like BlackRock, um, we've had a pretty diverse uh, set of industries that we've touched. And um, my role at Rain is really overseeing our strategic partnerships. So um, I manage uh, our relationships with the Amazons and Googles of the world, uh, which are you know, critical platform partners in addition to being clients in some instances, as well as some of our bigger brand clients uh, uh, as well. So uh, yeah, it's uh, an exciting space to be in. Yeah, absolutely. And I will I say that's a, uh, a fantastic intro. Uh, and like I said, a perfect guest to have on this week's episode, uh, because we will be talking about Amazon's latest hardware event. It's the second annual event where they have this unleash a basket of treats uh, when it comes to the Echo product. So I think this year they deluge. announced... Yeah, yeah, Deluge. Um, they announced 15 new hardware products, um, as well as many other updates on like the software side of things. So I think The Verge had the total count at 80 new announcements, which is uh, pretty incredible. And they did it in like 90 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, each, yeah, even like it was like their main product, the Amazon Echo got a minute and a half tops on stage of this whole new <laughs> uh, refresh of what the product is. So uh, yeah, it was like a fire hose of announcements uh, coming out of Seattle. Uh, but you know, we're super excited to really get into this event and understand what these new hardware products mean for Amazon, how the voice space is developing and really how we should be thinking about voice going into 2020. Um, so with that, I think let's just start right with the Amazon event. Um, 
I guess I'll start with Adam. Looking at all the announcements that they did, right? They announced an oven. They announced um, day one products, which are which are the Amazon Loop and the Amazon Frames. They have earbuds now. They even announced Samuel L. Jackson's going to have his own voice be on the Alexa platform uh, <laughs> that you as a consumer can program your uh, Alexa device to use. What was your favorite product? Or did any of these products take you by surprise? Uh, I mean, definitely some things took me by surprise. Uh, I think the the loop and the frames are <laughs> uh, surprising products that we weren't necessarily uh, anticipating uh, Amazon to announce at all. Um, like you said, those are day quote unquote day one products, which means they're they're basically beta testing them in public. Right. Um, but uh, I think you know, for me, the the two big takeaways were at a high level. Amazon is uh, is one is trying to get Alexa out of the home, and the loop and the frames give them a way to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're you know I think I think they would admit uh, on the record if you ask them that they are just trying everything to see what works. <laughs> it's you know other companies do this as well, but I don't think at this point we have any company that is doing it quite so prolifically as Amazon in terms of trying every possible form factor you can think of to put Alexa into to see what consumers actually take to. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, it, hopefully, and I think they will, I think they will edit these down. And it, it's possible that something like like the loop, which is a, a ring uh, that you can make phone calls on, um, <laughs> that, that it will it, at some point maybe just quietly disappear off their site. Right. Um, you know, I maybe not. Maybe that's the one that works. And, you know, it's the, it's the frames that don't work uh, or something else. But I think that they're... Um, Alexa is such a big, important platform-level bet for them that they feel like this is the right approach to try to figure out what is the next form factor outside of stationary smart speakers in our homes. Right. Eric, what about, your th- like, what about you? What are your thoughts on the, this Firehose announcement? Yeah, it was certainly a lot to take in. And I thought last year's was a lot to take in. They they definitely went up themselves. It's almost like the opposite of an Apple event where they <laughs> spend, you know, 20 minutes talking about one feature um, of one product. And, and yeah, there was almost too, too much released here to really process. Uh, but I think... Uh, I agree that you know some of these more experimental items like the the loop and, and the frames. Um, Amazon has the luxury of of having you know access to ridiculously cheap capital that it can actually run these experiments and release these products, um, knowing full well that they'll likely be killed, um, or you know they may have a surprise sleeper hit on their hands like they did with with the Alexa microwave. Um, who knows to what extent the success of that microwave you know is because Amazon you know has control over the search results on Amazon.com. But uh, regardless, it's it's you know one way or another they made it a hit. Um, yep. And yep. I think you know the <laughs> fact that they doubled down on that with uh, with the kind of a Alexa enabled oven, um, especially now that they own Whole Foods, um, is kind of further uh, evidence that maybe we shouldn't um, scoff so much at what seems like a crazy idea, like 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 the the ring, or, or I should say that the loop. Um, so yeah, my my take was really I think that the the biggest uh, announcements out of this event were actually. Um, the new surfaces that Alexa is going to be made available to, um, which I think will be mainstream hits. And, and I think the Echo Buds um, getting Alexa in your ear, you know, out of the home um, seems like it's a great product overall outside of Alexa. And for that price point to have some noise reduction technology from Bose at $130, um, you know, it, it seems like it's an absolute, you know, shot across the bow um, to existing, you know, headphone makers, um, namely Apple and their AirPods. 
Um, so I, I think that product is going to be a, a pretty immediate hit um, just because of its accessibility and the fact that Alexa's you know, baked into it makes a ton of sense, but it also even works with your native voice assistant on your on your smartphone, which is something that I was surprised by that, that um, they were going to enable you to, to invoke Siri or, or Google Assistant um, through, through your headset. So uh, the other uh, surface that I think is really interesting for voice uh, today and in the future is the car. And the Echo Auto um, partnership with General Motors, I don't think quite got enough attention um, from this event, but I think it's actually a pretty big deal. It's the first time that an automaker has chosen to fully, fully embed Alexa um, inside the vehicle to even control vehicle controls. Um, and so there have been lots of partial wins uh, in the past with Amazon Alexa in the car, um, but nothing as deeply integrated as GM is, is looking like it's going to be. Um, so I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm bullish on, on the car going forward as a surface for voice in general. Um, and so I think that that's a, a strong, um, strong announcement. And then some of the renovations to the existing smart speaker lineup, uh, I think were also impressive. Um, so the Echo Studio seems like it's uh, really taking on Sonos um, in a powerful way. And, and all the reactions to that uh, product thus far seem really positive. Um, and even something like adding a clock to the dot, it's it's totally a punchline for a, for a headline. Like Echo Dot with clock. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, it's very, very simple. Yeah, very, very, very simple. But you know, it's something that it makes it makes sense, right? You got to kind of find like a visual, at least a smaller, medium, like visual display for uh, some of these products. Because I think uh, what Amazon has realized, even Google, is that a lot of people are looking for a product that has a screen on it in some capacity. Well, and it helps it be you know that bedside alarm clock that it, it, Echoes have been good at uh, being an alarm since they were they first shipped. Um, but if you're keeping it by your bed anyway, put a clock in it. It'll encourage more people to keep it by their bed. Right. Uh, I think that's part of the the uh, rationale there. Yeah. It's interesting too, is kind of looking at their whole product line, right? Like I think some of these announcements make a lot of sense when it comes to Amazon strategy, right? Like obviously in the car is going to be a big place to play. That could kind of be like that next home platform uh, where consumers are spending their time and they want to have a hands-free uh, assistant there to help them. Um, you know, I think a lot of things around the kitchen make a lot of sense. Again, another place where you want to be hands-free. Uh, and I think Amazon can apply, can apply a lot of utility there through Alexa and all the digital capabilities that are there. But I mean, again, some of their products are very much like open beta testing, like you said, Adam, in in like in like the real world it's kind of like we we have the money to do it let's be super transparent and just build like a minimum viable product and throw it out there and see if it sticks because um i look at this glow light and it's just like what what problem is he solving right like 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 there's some products that were announced that i'm just what like what are you doing with this it's just very this means nothing really yeah, no, I wanted to go back to the the buds for a second because I do think that's probably one of the more promising products uh, mm -hmm. coming announced at the event. I do expect that um, regardless of how well they're received, and I think they will be pretty well received, especially as like holiday gifts, um, that we there will be a, a Gen 2 next year, and I think it's the kind of thing that Amazon will invest in long term. Um, I, I think that the and I think that they will do they will sell well as uh, you know. Bluetooth wireless uh, headphones that you know you can use on the go. Um, my question is just a little bit more about like Alexa functionality because part of the um, benefit of using Siri or Google Assistant um, on the go is that it does have more access to your device. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the things that people are using Alexa for are um, necessarily not the kinds of things that um, you know Siri and Google necessarily have access to on your mobile phones. So I think part of the part of the 
question there, and I think it, you know, why it was smart for them to allow you with pass through access to Siri or Google is that it does then give those, that device greater accessibility and, and features that Alexa can't do on her own right now. Um, and I just wonder if one of the challenges for Amazon, when we think of Alexa outside the home, isn't necessarily coming from the form factors. If we agree that, you know, maybe the buds are a great form factor for that. Um, and maybe what they're doing in the car is, a, is, you know, obviously building it into the car is a great, uh, form factor, but like, the actual functionality of Alexa to be able to do things that are a little bit more complex, a little more related to data that exists on your phone, but that Amazon themselves might not have access to. I feel like those are going to be some of the challenges for them uh, in the next year or so, trying to grow Alexa usage outside of the home. Yeah, I would add that I think a lot of the success uh, will hinge on on how well uh, the skill ecosystem um, evolves, right? So um, if it becomes a uh, very normal behavior for me to be, you know, checking my bank balance, uh, making a payment, um, you know, conducting all manner of, of activities in my life via voice, um, whether I'm, I'm on the go or at home. I think that's where they'll probably be um, investing, you know, significantly going forward um, as a universal for the platform, but also um, in particular as, as a benefit to the kind of on the go use case where um, you may actually, you know, have uh, a lot of your life being managed on uh, on skills uh, where there may also be an app on your phone, but you don't necessarily need to, um, you know, go, go, go to invoke it if you're, if you're, you know, in a, a hands-free or um, otherwise occupied context. So I do think that the, the role of skills in, in kind of enabling that on-the-go use case is going to be significant. We actually uh, recently, we, we, we built a, uh, a headphone-specific experience um, uh, for Headspace, the meditation service, um, which you can access now, actually, um, but it'll, it was really designed for the Echo uh, Buds, um, where you, know, you can access a walking meditation or a running meditation, um, and it senses automatically that you're, you're not using a smart speaker based on the, the fact that you're using your phone. So um, I think there will be some emerging use cases, and some brands are already kind of anticipating that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's what you know, some brands are going to have to be developing for, is like that kind of what what is that new user experience when uh, a person isn't looking at their phone but is connected through you know i guess an, an intelligent hearables uh is the category or the term that we start you know being thrown around um but you know do we think because like again going back to kind of like the challenges that amazon has to face like a lot of this is like is really hinges on having like a smartphone device and without you know, noting that Amazon doesn't have one of those devices, like, you know, can this like, like really inhibit how well they're able to penetrate this kind of like voice market? It seems like they're building for uh, maybe like five, 10 years down the road when maybe we really do disintermediate away from the phone. Um, because right now, like they're really lacking that in their ecosystem. And it seems like a lot of these voice experiences kind of hinge on having uh, something tethered to it, which is like a phone. I would agree. I mean, I don't think phones are going anywhere, and I think Amazon's not going to try to create another Fire Phone. It's true. So I Definitely think not. they're basically just going to try to build the the ecosystem that sits around the phone and kind of rely on the fact that any any at home uh, Alexa user already has the Alexa app and um, just use the phone as the brain and uh, make everything else work around it. I think that's. Um, definitely going to be, I think, uh, their long-term play. And surprisingly, we, they didn't release anything like a watch uh, at this event. I thought they might. Um, they released kind of the, I guess, things close to it, uh, but but nothing watch-related. So um, they're sort of taking on Apple head-on in some categories and not others. 
Yeah, I mean, I think um, Amazon is really putting all of the places in all the pieces in place uh, so that they are ready as consumer behavior shifts towards voice in the future. Uh, I do think, you know, they, it's to your point, um, not having a watch, the fact as a wearable device, the fact that, uh, you know, in the home, even they're really emphasizing screens as well as, um, you know, echo all the echo show and the, uh, the little round one, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) as, as alternatives or, or as, as even replacements for traditional, uh, speaker only echoes. Um, I think that, yeah, it's interesting to see them on the in the the out of home space not be focused on that at all. Certainly, it would be interesting to see a partnership like the GM partnership, where Alexa was controlling not just the audio experience in the car, but also maybe the the in car da- um, dashboards uh, head, or like dashboards or the, like the dashboard. I'm blanking on the name of the the uh, the dis- like what, isn't isn't it dashboard? No, it has a name. Head unit. Head yes, unit? the head unit. Yeah, the head. Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. <laughs> like it would be like theoretically, Alexa could be running that entire experience, and we're not at that place yet. Um, and I think that uh, in the home, they're, they've moved on so quickly to, to devices with screens um, that I wonder, you know, when are we going to see them uh, push that focus outside the home as well? Yeah, I believe. Like I was reading today that there was there was an announcement that like um you know I think with the GM. Um, partnership that like they're going to do an over the air update that'll kind of enable these functionalities. So not full control where Alexa has everything, but, uh, you know, a simple software update that previously we've only seen Tesla do, um, to integrate new features on a software level. So, um, that is pretty exciting from a, you know, kind of car space. Um, I guess, you know, listeners, if you're looking to really, you know, read the in-depth analysis of this event, uh, you know, go check it out online. There's about what, you know, 50 more products that we haven't uh, had this, had time to discuss yet. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, these are the, the the main products and really this is what Amazon is, uh, I guess, you know, projecting out to us uh, that, that are watching as like this will be their strategy going into 2020, trying to figure out one, uh, what de- which of these devices make sense and people adopt to and two, um, how, really, how can they improve that experience um, with the devices that, that they already have uh, out in the market today. So I want to s- switch gears quickly and get into really thinking about brands. Because uh, when we think about voice, uh, you know, this is something that I, we, the lab, have been talking about for the past, uh, you know, two years, uh, give or take. Uh, Eric, it seems like this is something that you guys have been working on for even longer than that. So I'm curious, I guess, Eric, I'll start with you. How do you really see, you know, brands uh, activating, you know, in the, in the voice space today? Like, like what, what has been working? Yeah, I, I think there's a couple notable trends. I, I think, you know, a few years ago, a, a lot of brands were, were just simply rushing to develop uh, a, a voice application because it was a shiny object. And they felt like, you know, it, w- it would be a great press release. And, and many times it yielded great press for their brand and, and I think, you know, lended them an innovation sheen. Um, but they didn't know a whole lot about what they were looking to accomplish with their voice app. They just oftentimes were thinking about, let's take what works on mobile and uh, what's on our website and make it voice enabled, which is a really bad idea uh, as a general rule, because uh, <laughs> the, uh, the the interface is just entirely different, right? So uh, I think um, 
a lot of the the bloat that you see in in the skill store, um, less so on the Google Action side, um, but it, it was really driven by um, this profusion of people that were kind of rushing to this new thing without necessarily the strategic um, or creative grounding on what they should be creating or what what assistance really looks like to their consumers. Um, and so I think what we're seeing now from brands is is a lot more of a strategic posture where um, the the questions we're getting at Rain are are sometimes yes we have an idea and we and we want you guys to design and build it, but more so more frequently we're getting questions like you know in what ways can voice teach us more about our customer um, or can voice help uh, enhance loyalty for our most uh, high spending customers um, or you know in what ways um, can we um, sell digital goods via voice to complement our, our physical goods business um, so th there's a lot more of a, a strategic starting point and I think that's going to yield a lot uh, better experiences uh, further down the line. Um, so I think the brands that are, are thinking intelligently about voice today um, are sort of cognizant of what voice does well and what it doesn't does well. It wasn't, doesn't do well. And one example of that um, is, you know, we, we worked with Starbucks to create their um, voice skill as well as to, to do some, some voice related work in their mobile app. And, you know, you would think, you know, ideally if you're, if you're um, building something for Starbucks, maybe you want to a lot of people order uh, through through voice. That's a very simple, efficient thing. Well, it turns out it's actually extremely difficult to um, to build a, a natural language language processing system that can disambiguate. Uh, I'd like a double venti macchiato and a grande cup, right? Like <laughs> people have trouble understanding that. But the good news is um, that's data that's generally already stored in your mobile app from Starbucks. And so if you link your account to your skill, you can simply say, I'll have the usual, right? Or I'll have what I had last time. And so that simple reorder function, uh, which seems like really low-hanging fruit, um, uh, did its job well because it was really something simple and most people ordered the same thing every time. Um, so I think that's just one example of not trying to boil the ocean in what you're doing in voice and sort of take a, a crawl, walk, run sort of disposition, right? Just to kind of quickly t comment on that, like that skill that was developed and how you kind of like put voice into that functionality. Again, it seems like it really focuses around utility. Anyway, it seems like like today, like and where we've seen success is that these voice skills. When you are thinking about voice, it's like how can you as a brand um, take this new medium and then use it to improve the, like the consumer experience. Yeah, I, th I think that's right. I think a lot of the use cases certainly center around utility, um, but I wouldn't say that that's exclusive. Um, I think on the utility front, I mean, a big theme we're noticing is that in, in, you know people look. To, to voice experiences and say, where, where's the ROI? You know, what, what's the incremental revenue that we're going to get from this voice experience? Why should I invest in it? There's actually a different way of thinking about the economics of it, which is how much cost can I take out of my system? Um, and how can I make things like customer service more efficient? Um, so if you think about the, the massive expenditure that uh, many brands have in overhead, um, just on call centers um, where there's really no need for a human to, to answer a question. Um, they could answer it via voice. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a really big area that brands see a return on their voice investment is, um, you know, taking away the, the labor required for that sort of thing. Some of the most engaged and popular skills we were seeing at some point was, were actually entertainment skills and games. Um, and I, I know that Amazon actually now has an entire uh, game studio uh, inside working on all the games for Alexa. Um, and I do think that there are opportunities for other things outside of, obviously it's great and easy if you're like checking your bank balance while you are uh, stuck in traffic, things like that, I think make a lot of sense. I do think that um, over time consumers will develop more uh, 
you know, more sophisticated behaviors as they try to, as they get more used to using voice in more contexts. Mm-hmm. I think it's also a little bit of a cult- cultural thing. And part of the challenge with using voice outside the home has always been that at least in, uh, in the U S and in, in the West, it has been uh, sort of not socially acceptable to do that in most cases. And <laughs> Just um, like regardless scream, of the fact that like, the you know, no one's hearing the response, even if you are wearing headphones, you know, right. um, it's just not the kind of thing that's done. But I know that it, that's not true everywhere. And in some cultures, it's actually totally fine to be talking at your phone all day um, <laughs> uh, without, uh, you know, in public. Uh, so, um, you know, I think that it's, it's might be a little bit of a slow build, but I do think that it might, it has the potential to get there in the future. Yeah. Um, I, I would suggest that, that, social norm is going to erode uh, around the, the taboo of, of speaking in public. I, I mean, I think to your point, like some cultures already don't have that taboo. If you look at Asia and, and every, almost everything is speech to text, um, even if they're just doing messaging. Um, but I think in, in the Western world, if you just look at the dramatic like uh, erosion of what used to be traditional etiquette to like look people in the eye and to watch where you're, you're going. Um, there, there are some precedent that uh, we have some malleable behaviors. So yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it would be too far to think that people might start to accept that. Yeah, and I do. I do know that uh, I have seen reports that uh, Gen Z is very hot on using, uh, you know, their voice just to mm-hmm. dictate text and things like that, even if they're not using it for other purposes uh, as much yet. So I do think that yeah, eventually, um, you know, if the utility is there and if people feel it's valuable and, and the best way to use their devices, uh, I think it will and to, and to you know tap into services. I think they will do it. Yeah, and they you know just have no shame about whatever they're talking about. <laughs> right. we're, we're, uh, yeah, like we're 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 good to go. Um, <laughs> I don't talk to anybody directly anymore. I just ask Alexa to send the messages. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah or Siri, or um, you know, or Bixby if you're in the Android universe. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nobody ever asked Bixby for any yeah. single thing. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Not a not a single thing ever. Um, because so no, and so I, I think, and also one of the, the big updates that, that that came out of the hardware event was that uh, I, I think we briefly touched on it was that there are now a hundred thousand skills in the Amazon skills store for Alexa. That's a lot of skills. I think, you know, in, in comparison, like the Google Assistant store for like their, uh, or I guess like the, the Google Action Store has, you know, I think maybe around like 4,000 skills developed for it. Um, so I'm just kind of thinking here, it's like, I guess you're like, like there's still a lot of challenges to be had, you know, when it comes to like discoverability and finding these skills for um, consumers. Like it seems like, like there's a lot to wade through to figure out, you know, is this useful for me? Uh, and how do I even find it in the, in the first place? Um, so I mean, Eric, I don't know if you have any, have any thoughts on that, knowing that you guys spend so much time trying to help brands get their stuff discovered. Yeah, I think there's really two issues here. Like one is um, what makes for an actually good Alexa skill experience, and you know how do we design conversations that that are efficient and, and delightful? Like that that in and of itself is a, is a really big challenge, and a lot of people don't necessarily like appreciate the complexity of of having to do that. Um, but on the discoverability side, I think. The platforms um, have basically said, you know, we're going to do 
as, as much as we can to kind of help recommend the right skills or, or Google Actions, as the case may be. Um, and there's little things you can do, like, you know, say you can check a box that says my skill, you know, uh, can fulfill this intent. And so even if somebody doesn't ask for my skill by name, um, I should still be able to, to raise my hand and, and provide an answer to it um, directly from an unbranded uh, type of question. Um, so there's things like that that you can do that improve kind of the, the implicit invocation discoverability. but I think the, the onus is really on the brand to communicate about the existence of their, their skill or action. And I think uh, a lot of brands don't necessarily put the degree of budget that they should uh, behind uh, a voice product release. Um, they kind of figure that it's going to be a test and learn and, and they don't even acquire you know sufficient users to, to really have learned anything statistically significant. So I think, um, there's definitely going to be, a, a, I think, a, a multi-pronged um, approach to discoverability that's partly, um, you know, the, the voice assistants themselves more intelligently routing queries, um, and also even uh, on a skill-to-skill basis that we, we saw Amazon announce um, they're, you know, helping with cross-skill completion, they call it. So um, initiating one activity in one skill and completing it in an, another, um, I think that's going to help. Uh, but also, uh, I think it's just going to be sort of a behavior people start to learn just like uh, the new hashtag or the new URL. I think we're going to start to see invocation names and, and utterances stamped on packaging, on advertisements, um, and people are going to start to to build that expectation that they should you know, be able to find the brands that they engage on and on voice. And if they're not there, um, then that's a real problem for that brand. Um, so no, no doubt discoverability is a problem right now, um, but I think um, it's going to get chipped away at um, on a couple of different fronts. And, and, and kind of like like looking into that future where we see more and more brands kind of like if they have a skill promoting it like a hashtag, um, it seems like this is kind of, you know, a more evergreen strategy when it comes to voice. In a sense, it, it just becomes another channel where the consumer attention is there and they expect your brand to be there if that's where like they're putting their searches or they're asking for information. Uh, so it's kind of thinking of like, you know, like an overarching strategy of you know, how does voice play into your discoverability across all new media channels that um, uh, consumers are around and engaging with. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, I could give one other example, actually, of a project we did that was more of a campaign, um, but involved a, a broadcast integration, um, and really, I think, kind of proved out the, the use case that with adequate media spend, um, you can really drive scaled voice behavior. Um, so the work we did with with Nike um, was around the release of their Adapt BB shoe, which was the self-lacing shoe from, from Back to the Future, um, and it was being worn uh, by two players in a, in a Lakers-Celtics game back in February. So Kyle Kuzma and, and Jason Tatum um, were wearing them on the court for the first time. And on a TNT broadcast, uh, there was a little snipe across the bottom of the screen that said, you know, uh, hey, Google, ask Nike, um, what's the future of, of, of basketball? And um, basically that prompted users to engage with this, this voice experience, which was um, all about building an anticipation until the drop of the sneaker, which happened at halftime, where we made a, a bunch of uh, these shoes available for free and then a bunch available for pre-order. Um, and as soon as the halftime call to action was up on the screen, um, within six minutes, we sold out all the shoes, uh, only through voice. Uh, so it was 
only through Google Assistant. So I think if that's just one kind of um, you know microcosm of of how um, media dollars can really drive I think you know powerful voice engagement. Um, and I think you'll you'll start to see more evergreen versions of that in the future. Nike's always doing great stuff uh, when they're dropping new shoes, whether it's on voice platforms or Snapchat and working with Dark Store to get them you know delivered that day. Uh, yeah, they have a lot to uh, experiment with and a lot of demand for that type of content. So like that's uh, that's pretty fantastic. Um, but then looking ahead, right? You know, so Amazon announced all these different products. Uh, voice again is becoming more and more part of our like consumers' daily lives, and uh, just where these voice assistants are going to be living, whether that's in the car, in the home, in a bunch of new products. Um, what I guess are you guys seeing as like this next environment that's going to have the most traction for voice? And Adam, we'll start with you. I think maybe the car is the home still going to be like that epicenter of voice. Do we think it's just going to transition to hearables? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that the car is where we're going to see the most growth in voice. I'm frankly a little surprised it hasn't happened as much okay. um, because I think obviously it's it's one of those one of the few times you're outside your home where you really can't be using a screen. Um, and I think that you know voice is the right uh, the right medium to be interacting there. Uh, and I you know it, it's it, it is using it is the perfect example of being able to use a screen as secondary information with audio as the primary interface. So uh, I would I would put my money on the car. All right. Eric, what about yourself? Yeah, so I I agree that the car is going to be the biggest uh, unlock for voice generally. I I think the constraints present inside the car just that force you to use voice to to actually get something done um, is going to build a behavior that we're going to see permeate other touch points. So I think you're going to start to think more voice first, um, whether you're in the home or on the go because you had to think voice first on your commute. And I think it's, it's, it's very powerful in that regard. Um, and as, as to why it hasn't happened yet and why, why you know, voice isn't more prevalent in the car in terms of Alexa and Google Assistant integrations, um, one, they're, they're happening and there's, and there's a long time cycle for any sort of native integration into new vehicles. But two, um, it's a real power um, dynamic uh, that, that's problematic for automakers to embed voice assistants from Amazon and Google into their car. Um, car makers see their future viability um, as driven by the data that they can collect, um, you know, not just the, the hunks of metal that they can sell. And when Amazon or Google is potentially taking all the data around what people are doing in your car, um, that's a major problem. Not to mention, you want to curate your brand essence inside the vehicle and um, have users potentially say your name as an invocation phrase, hey Mercedes or um, hey Honda, what have you. And so car makers, I think, have have been very reluctant to let big tech inside. Um, But at the same time, big tech has been saying that, you know, voice assistant users um, have a preference for having their preferred voice assistant uh, wherever they are, including in the car. And so they're doing plenty of studies that are trying to twist the arm of the car makers. Um, but I think um, we're going to see a lot of different approaches. Some companies are going to go deep on one assistant. Other companies might try a Sonos-like model where there's multiple assistants available, but consumers have to toggle between one or the other. Uh, and there may even be others that um, you know uh, have multiple assistants available at, at any given time. Um, and have some sort of a switchboard router for what queries go where, um, which would be the equivalent of the most valuable position to be in in the car. Um, so I, d- I definitely think it's going to be uh, the car that kind of takes over as uh, the most heavily used use case for voice as soon as we start to see more aftermarket parts get bought Um like the Echo Auto, as well as more native integrations roll out. Uh, and, and the winners won't necessarily be 
Alexa and Google Assistant. I'm pretty um, uh, keen on uh, companies like SoundHound uh, and their Houndify platform that essentially allow car makers to build a voice assistant in their own image um, and kind of white label the technology. Um, it's funny. So you guys are both in the department of of the car. Um, I still think it's that 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 might be uh, a ways away. I think as we see. Um, I'm, I'm thinking more of like, like, like the hearables, right? Like the, uh, like the new Amazon Alexa buds that came out, the AirPods, uh, even Google and their, and their pixel buds. Uh, to me, that seems like this like next step where, um, whether you're in your home or in your car or at work, you're always on and always talking to, uh, whatever your preferred voice assistant is. Uh, and I think that is going to be able to drive that, you know, like consumer behavior, which will then really get people thinking about, well, Hey, if I don't have my AirPods or they run out or whatever it might be, it's like, why is this not just around me at all times? Um, so, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. And uh, we can check back in a year to see, uh, whose prediction, uh, you know, worked out the, uh, or played out the, played out the best. Um, I want to end on a, on a, a question talking about, uh, Amazon's voice interoperability initiative. Uh, so this is an initiative, uh, where Amazon is looking to, I guess really pretty much have their voice assistant Alexa talk to um, pretty much 30 other companies' voice assistants. So Spotify's voice assistant, Salesforce's voice assistant, Microsoft's Cortana, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on on this kind of initiative, trying to bring this community, like this, this crossover to me, it seems very difficult. It seems like it's gonna be a very poor user experience when Alexa has to go talk to 30 different voice assistants to, to answer maybe one question she doesn't know about. So, so Adam, we'll start with you. Yeah. I mean, I, it, they're trying to pull a little magic trick and like incept a bunch of other assistants into Alexa. Like, I don't think it would be, it would, it would, it would pass through, it would know the capabilities of each individual one and pass mm -hmm. them through. That's my understanding of it anyway. Um, and I, you know, I think fine. Um, it's, it, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> it's I, I whatever. Think, yeah. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know that it's going to have a huge, uh, impact, uh, going forward. I think it's more of a symbolic thing that Amazon is doing to, um, sort of align other, the smaller voice assistant makers mm -hmm. to their side, uh, over, over Google. Uh, but you know, Google, Google could clearly do the same thing if they wanted to. Um, and I just, it just doesn't seem like, it seems like more of a, a PR move than anything to me. Yeah. I mean, I think although they've really secured from an announcement standpoint is, you know, the, the theoretical commitment of these companies to, to, you know, be part of this initiative. But I do think the ambition that the initiative represents is significant. I think it's, it's an aggressive, almost defensive posture that Amazon's taking here. And I think it's as a function of, of their weakness in mobile and the fact that they don't have the same controlled ecosystems that Apple and, and Google do. Um, and I think, there's a trend that we're seeing in the rise of these sort of niche assistants where, you know, BBC just created its own assistant called Beeb. Um, you know, Salesforce has their own and, and even Cortana inside a Windows environment is a very specialized productivity assistant. So I think you're going to still see this profusion of kind of specialist assistants that, you know, have a desire to have accessibility through the scale that is Alexa. And I think Alexa's not trying to necessarily recreate the wheel when it comes to um, these services and, and build their own version of them with deep domain knowledge inside Alexa. Why not just enable access to them? 
So I think the thought is right from a strategic standpoint um, for both the the participants um, as well as for Amazon. Um, but uh, you know, well, the proof is in the pudding in terms of uh, how they actually roll this out. Right. Uh, yeah. We haven't really seen that yet. It's the yeah, it's it's the exe- yeah, it's the execution that's going to really really matter, and it's uh, I think that's gonna be a lot harder to do um, than you know just kind of I guess the theory right yeah the theory is great, but the actual execution I think is gonna be very difficult to do. Um, but again, I can see the benefit of it. I just I don't know. I'm very skeptical of it. So Adam, to to end our our episode here, I've got one final question. Um, as we look at voice and as we go into 2020, um, how do we see this space developing? How do we see user adoption uh, continue to increase, decrease? What are your just What are your thoughts on the space in general as we really get into uh, 2020? Yeah, I think the focus for everyone, including Amazon, is really going to be on user adoption and uh, frequency um, and getting users to do more sophisticated things with voice. Um, Obviously, we know users are pretty comfortable using voice to do things like set timers and request music and things like that. But I think it's it's not even capabilities. It's really more around education and comfort with using voice for more sophisticated um, operations. Um, And, you know, that can happen in the home. It can happen outside of the home. Uh, I think, you know, uh, ultimately the, it will be about adoption in more places, but even within the home, I think it's, uh, about, uh, educating users about capabilities. So they're using it for more sophisticated operations. Gotcha. Eric, how about yourself? How are you seeing this space develop into 2020? Yeah, from a user adoption standpoint, I think uh, a couple uh, developments are going to be key. One is the rise in multimodal devices and, and the, the impact of having visual assistance in a voice-first interface. I think it's going to get people a lot more comfortable. And, and we know that engagement rates on multimodal are, are sometimes twice as high as on headless devices. So the cheapness of uh, those devices uh, is, is going to really drive their adoption. And I think that's going to, in turn, create a lot more regularity of voice users. Um, I also think more functional skills uh, and actions uh, that are, are more compliant with things like HIPAA. Um, there's a bonanza of use cases just waiting in healthcare um, for you know Alexa to be more more broadly HIPAA compliant um, outside of just a few pilots. Um, so I think that's going to be huge uh, from a, a vertical standpoint. Uh, and then beyond just voice, I think what voice assistants represent on the assistant side um, is we're we're going to see a lot more proactive, more personalized assistance where it's not necessarily this transactional um, utterance and response, um, you know, relationship and much more of a um, let me optimize your life and take care of things for you relationship. And we're starting to already see that with Google Duplex, with Alexa hunches. I think once those features, you know, start to mature, um, I think we're going to be less uh, obsessed with the, the 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 voice modality and more obsessed with what assistants can do for us um, as our general agents. That was fantastic. Well, well said. Uh, well, Eric, uh, thank you so much for joining us on Floor Nine to talk about Amazon's hardware event and voice and how you and your team see it uh, developing in 2020. Uh, how can our listeners get in contact with you? Are are you on? Twitter? Do you want me to tag that for you? Instagram? What's <laughs> Absolutely. Your yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Twitter lurker um, at eTurkington. Uh, but uh, if you want to get in touch, uh, definitely reach out uh, hello at rain.agency or check us out at rain.agency. Um, we've also got a, a flash briefing if you want to get your weekly voice news, uh, our voice on voice uh, newsletter. Uh, we record that every week. Um, so uh, yeah, thanks again for having me on and um, really glad, glad I got a chance to have this great conversation. Well, listeners, let us know your thoughts. Um, you can tweet at 
T-I-P-P-I-E-R uh, on Twitter. Or if you want to talk to Adam, uh, you can reach out to at Adam J. Simon on Twitter. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, where do you think voice is going to go in 2020? Uh, thank you. And we'll talk soon.